0: Hi, this is Brent Feldman, and we're back with another episode of Mix and Matchbox. Uh, Today, we have Amy Yan, the CEO and founder of C3 Business Consultants. Amy, uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me today.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for uh, for being here. And uh, I know we uh, we got a chance to get acquainted and uh, and chat really quickly. And uh, anyway, and I'm very excited to uh, do this podcast. So I'll jump right into the first question. Uh, Basically, can you provide a little backstory on basically kind of how you got to, you know, kind of your current role and what you're doing?
1: Sure. So I was actually employed at a family owned IT company for 23 years. And I started when I was 17, right out of high school. Um, Actually, it was during high school because it was an office co-op program. And then when I graduated high school, it was more so, hey, do you want to be hired on full time? And I decided to take it. Um, because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And then 23 years later, I was just like, okay, I basically worked my way up to be under the president and vice president of the company. Where else am I gonna go? Um, so during the pandemic is when I realized, you know, what am I really doing, um, especially for myself and for my kids. There's no generational wealth here. Um, and so I decided to start my own it company, but also correlate it with business aspects as well. So it's not just it, it's also business.
0: Cool. Um, what would you say are some of the hurdles that you encountered or, um, and either ones you anticipated or did not didn't anticipate as you were kind of like starting your, your business?
1: Well, I will tell you this. um, As you start your own business, I would advise everybody to get an advisory board. And that advisory board should be of um, other business owners who have been legitimate and been out there for a duration of time and utilize them as your advisors and your mentors um, so that when you start the process, you can lean on them for any resources or answers as you go through whatever hurdles you're trying to go through. And that's what's been most successful for me is because I already had friends out there that had businesses for quite a long time, 20 plus years, to be exact, and to be able to go back to them as I hit a roadblock or something bad happened and I don't know what to do. I would just contact them and they would literally walk me through a, you know, did you do this? Did you try this? Or maybe you should do this. And it's been very helpful.
0: That's cool. That's actually that's fascinating because like uh, I I don't think I've ever, you know, heard, you know, definitely as you talk to other business owners and they give you advice, you know, that's wonderful to have. But um, how formal did you make that advisory board? Like, is it kind of like we meet it this time and this is always. You
1: know, like <laughs> There's no set meetings at all. However, you know, um, I just hand selected at least five of my friends that I knew that were very successful in the business that they uh, created for themselves. And out of the five, they were from different industries, but they all had something that could help with my industry and they knew that you know if i had an issue or a problem that i could just immediately text or call them so i mean it wasn't really set times i would be calling them sometimes in the morning talking to them late at night but to have that you know extension and to have that you know support as you're starting your business is very crucial you know because you, depending on how you're starting or what industry you're starting in you really don't know what roadblocks are going to happen you know or that are going to come forth so it was just very nice to have you know my friends as that board to help me out
0: definitely yeah that's cool um i guess is there anything that you can speak to that was like maybe the biggest catalyst for you starting this type of company specifically too
1: yeah so obviously with starting an it company it's very hard because with me being in it already for 23 years over in illinois i basically branded my entire self over in illinois so i really didn't know many organizations or professionals here in missouri even though that you know i moved from illinois to missouri in 2012 and so being able to brand yourself was a huge hurdle for me, but I was able to get past it by going onto my social media and just getting out there and networking. Um, And then other things that I kind of had an issue with before starting was funding. Because you know, as a startup business, there's not a lot of resources, especially after the pandemic. Right? Um, there wasn't a lot of resources for financing or funding, especially if you weren't in business for two or more years. Uh, so that was a huge hurdle that i had to go through so then with my advisory board you know we had to talk about well what type of partnerships can you create with other organizations in the same industry as you and work with them so that you can start generating more revenue and then once you started generating more revenue you can basically start you know cutting them off and that's kind of what i've been doing but That's- it's a mutual thing, you know, you have to have transparency uh, transparency, and communication with those partnerships so that they understand their role within your organization as you're starting and their role once you start to detach from them.
0: Cool. Awesome. That. Wow. That leads right into the next question really well too. And, uh, and we were kind of talking, uh, you know, right before we started, uh, you know, the podcast here, uh, uh, just about like connections and knowing people. And I know that you kind of, you see yourself as like, obviously a, a connector, a facilitator. And, uh, you know, how, how do you think that plays a role in the type of work that you're doing too?
1: Yeah. So, Absolutely. I am a natural connector and networker by heart. And so it was a lot easier for me to be able to jump in on the Missouri side and start networking and connecting with a lot of people and then also connecting them with other professionals and resources. Um, But that is huge when it comes to branding your business and building your business, because without that network and support, nobody's going to know who you are and what you do. Um, And then for me networking is about building genuine relationships you know it's not about quantity it's about quality Um, So when you build those genuine relationships, you know that that person is going to support you whether or not you're in that room, you know? And so that's why networking for me is a little bit different than what others may be doing. But, you know, it it all correlates the same. You're out there branding yourself. You're out there getting to know people. Um, I always suggest if you meet somebody in a networking event, make sure that you take their business card, reach out to them for a one-on-one. And during that one-on-one is when you really decide whether or not that that person has the same synergy as you. Mm
0: Yeah, cool. Um, I I it, I feel like that's just absolutely you know uh, great advice because yeah, I definitely attribute you know how we have grown and stuff just to yeah the people you know and making sure that yeah you're building those relationships because then they're happy to refer you and you know yep. make connections on your behalf and it's just it's it's wonderful how that works and and all kind of comes full circle, um, you know while um, I, and, and this is important to kind of like you know maybe the overall story of you know your organization too. But um, you, uh, while earning the certification uh, for your business as you know a woman and minority-owned business, um, was that process in in and of itself um, harder or easier than you had anticipated? Uh, had kind of anticipated, and, and what kind of made it that way?
1: so it was definitely a lot harder than what i had anticipated i knew that going in and developing my own organization uh for it and business that i wanted to get certified on a local state and federal level as minority and woman and disadvantaged i just didn't know how to get there because the problem is is that there are so many resources out there um, when you google certification because there's so many different um certifying agencies that the government has appointed you know on the local side there's your city but there's also you know um there's different areas of where you can get certified and then on the state side there's two different portals that you need to go on and then on the federal side it's like a three-part process but even then it was trying to find you know where do i get certified and what is the process of doing that so when i started to dive deeper into certification I obviously started um, with the state first because I did not know that the city had a certification process because I'm in St. Louis County. So when you go to St. Louis County website, it doesn't really say anything about um, a certification process. It just says that they have an initiative for women and minority business enterprises. And it doesn't really say, you know, hey, this is where you need to go to get certified. So, again, it's the lack of resources that are out there. So, for me, it was trying to find where do I need to get certified? How do I do it? And then, you know, from there, it was just after getting certified, it's it's a breeze. But don't going the certification process, it was very hard. So, yeah. Yeah. and that's one of the things that I do with my organization that I've actually helped out because I'm contracted out by the Urban League. Uh, Women's Business Center. So I help women and minority entrepreneurs through their certification process uh, step by step. And then I also do that within my own organization, if you're not a part of the Urban League Women's Business Center as a participant.
0: That's really cool. That's awesome, and I'm sure those people need that that help, especially as like, yeah, uh, you're saying that they don't make it easy. You know, yeah, even and even if the process was clear, even trying to find your way into it could be hard. So, yeah,
1: yeah, because after getting certified, there are so many things that you need to do to leverage your certification that people do not understand as well. Because once you're certified, you can't just keep that certification and say, "Okay, I'm." where's the, you know, where's the jobs, where's the opportunities, you actually have to go and find those opportunities in other portals that they provided as resources, or you have to reach out to uh, certifying agencies or purchasing agencies and network with them. And that goes back to networking, right? And to develop your uh, strong network, you have to network with them in order for them to know, hey, I'm here, I have a certification, what opportunities do you have? You know, so um, leveraging the certification is also a part of being able to generate more revenue with that certification. But if you don't know to do that, then you're not going to be able to do anything with that certification.
0: Yeah, it's just like now you're certified, but yeah,
1: exactly. Nobody knows what to do after.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, it, I mean, like, um, I think I think that's super helpful. Are there any other like points of encouragement that you know you would want to give to people working through the process? Obviously, it's it's great that you know you had mentioned kind of like, hey, once you get there and you've got them, it's good. You know, obviously, you still have to do learning, but yeah, anything that you would feel like messages of encouragement you'd pass on to anybody <laughs> who's doing it
1: um well have faith right and stick through the process you know there was a reason why you became a business owner to begin with you know and so you just have to if you want to generate more revenue and find different revenue streams if you're going the certification route uh, just have faith in that process and go through it. Because even when you apply for certification, you do not get certified instantaneously. It is a process. And, you know, it. once you go through that process of putting in that application, it could take anywhere between six months to 12 months before they even certify you. Wow. So, again, you just have to have faith and hope um and just be patient you know um no different than how a business owner should be in their own organization as they're going through all the different things of everyday life right
0: yeah as you kind of pair businesses up or you work with businesses in order to fulfill project needs um you know what would you say are, are you know potential blind spots either for you or for you know maybe the work that you're doing for a particular you know RFP or project um do you see it is is it challenging working with, uh, you know, organizations, businesses or for, you know, government projects that you're fulfilling? Are there things that get commonly missed as you work through those?
1: So, yes, there's obviously a lot that gets missed. But um, my advice is be transparent and communicate with your vendors and your partners at all times, cool. um, because even if there's um, you. Your partners may miss something. I may miss something. You know, the vendors may miss something, but not everybody knows what to ask when asked, you know. So it's just like um, when it comes time to do a project, make sure you pull in your vendors and you pull in your partners. You have that meeting to look at whatever project that is. Um, Or look at the RFP in its entirety together Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, sending them the information and just hope and pray that they should know what they need to respond with. And then, you know, bring your vendors and your partners um, in on the conversation to the the client, right? So that they understand who your team is. Um, But communication is key Um, because the lack of communication is another hurdle that, you know, I was trying to surpass only because if, if you're not communicating properly, then you won't be able to communicate to your clients properly. And then there is that disconnect mm-hmm. and you never want your client to feel that there's any disconnect because they trusted you with this project or they're trusting you with whatever is happening with that transaction. So always communicate. Yeah, and it's so simple too. Communication (laughs) takes no money whatsoever, but you could lose money if you don't communicate. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, whether it's yeah, like you're mentioning project details and and actually, uh, um, I think it's also really important that you were advocating for having that partner at the table and being able to communicate. I certainly see like you know a lot of white labeling, you know, where they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're you know we're doing this as a team, but as long as those people get to you know hear straightforward you know from the client or from you know what those expectations are hopefully easier for them to fulfill the thing that you need to do and yeah produce a better you know piece of work
1: exactly because at the end of the day whatever is being um you know sold or whatever project it is we're we're as a team we're representing that you know so we want to make sure that whether it's my side my partner's side or my vendor's side that we all look good
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, you're frequently looking at RFPs and, mm-hmm. you know, going through the RFP process, uh, if you could change that process for how companies or, you know, organizations, uh, you know, find people, yeah. uh, wh- what would you do? <laughs> Different. Uh,
1: I would definitely change the amount of documentation that is included with RFPs because they range anywhere from 40 to 100 pages or more. And literally reading through the documentation is like reading through um, lawyer documents. It just doesn't make sense, you know? Um, so making sure that it's more so in layman terms because. We're speaking in English, you know what I'm saying? I don't understand why they have to put it in so much different code to where we have to decipher it because, you know, those sentences or those paragraphs that they create, it's just like, well, why didn't you just say that you needed this? You know, Um, I would hope that in the future that they would make it a lot easier. But I feel that with RFPs on a local state or federal level, especially on the federal level the way that they have their RFPs, it makes it so that the smaller businesses or your minorities that are new to certification or your women that are new to certification, it is intimidating for them to read an RFP and think that they would be able to be a part of this project. But I am here to tell those people that have those certifications or small business that, you know, don't worry about the intimidation, you know, read through it in its entirety and just think outside of the box when you're reading it. Um, And put in your proposal because I was able to get certified within six months of being open. And then six months after that, I was able to jump on um, and get a federal contract with the federal government, which is a five-year contract by myself. So if I could do it reading, you know, a hundred pages worth of RP documents, then anybody could do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that that is great. Uh because some of those they are. They're like, yeah. They're very sort of intimidating. Genius.
1: It's like, why are you writing it like this? Like, do you speak like this when you speak to a person? Like <laughs> who uh, do you think you're writing to? You know?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um well, you know, I I, I think in terms of like how you're you know coordinating you know not only the rfp process but also the projects once you get them um i feel like it's always important to keep things kind of on course you mentioned communication uh you know is really really important uh i would assume that may be a similar answer to this but like where do you see projects get off the rails and how do you course correct
1: uh is during the rfp process or during the project as well
0: maybe yeah definitely even for both
1: okay so during a project there was an um one of the projects that i started on last year for the department of homeland security it uh it goes back to communication right i had um People on site, but they didn't really communicate like when they were going to be on site or what supplies were needed for that particular project, and it and, and that was a learning experience for me at the beginning stages of me being open for not even a year yet, um, and that's why I really stress out communication is because we cannot assume what somebody else is thinking, and nor do we want to assume, you know, because. It's, if it's wrong, then we're just going to make an ass out of ourselves, mm. especially in front of the client. So it was very important for me that um, during my first go around with that particular project that I knew exactly what I need to do for my second project uh, with the second year coming around was you know let's sit and talk about how we're going to run through this what equipment do we need on site what supplies do we need who's going to be on site what are the times that they're going to be there but it goes back to communication right because if you don't communicate how are you supposed to know who's going to do what or what's needed
0: yeah definitely true i i could certainly i could certainly see that um what would you say makes a good partner in a situation, you know, like having obviously good communication, I'm sure, but like, you know, are are there situations and especially where you've had contracts that you're fulfilling and you feel like something really stands out of making a good partner or a good fit for how you operate that relationship?
1: Sure. So definitely the partnerships, um, I look at the amount of knowledge and expertise that they have, including um, the entire team. So I like to not only meet the owner and because that's the person that I'm developing the relationship with, but uh, over time, I like to meet their staff and get to know them and their staff should get to know me as well so that they understand what that partnership is about. And then, um, you know, I'm always going to say this communication is key. Um, And, you know, other things that... I look at is you know what have they done with their clients and how are they responding to certain things as well? Um, if there's an issue, um, is it something that happens instantaneously? Is it eight-hour business turnaround time, or do they get back to them within a week? Um, you know, all of those things you have to take into consideration when you try to find the right partner. And I will tell you, you know, I'm just past my two year mark as of June of 2023. And so these past two years have been a learning curve of who those right partnerships need to be. Um, you know, as we, cause you're not really gonna know in in the beginning, right, if that person is good for you or not, or if that partner is good. Um until you dive deeper into a project, yeah, you know, uh, from the beginning stages of the proposal to initiating and implementing the project, to you know the customer service and support afterwards, those are kind of the three things that you have to keep an eye on as a business owner to understand: does this partnership really work for me? And if it does, it does. If it doesn't, you know, you move on. But at the same time, your partner has to be transparent, honest very knowledgeable and has that expertise and communicate
0: yeah definitely I, I I think that that's you know really helpful in the sense of like you know recommending to like just know the partner inside and out you know and from yeah. the top down you know um, because the as you may be working with that organization for yeah. you know not just a short duration on the project but potentially years yeah um, you have to be very comfortable with who they are and what they do and how they do it
1: yep yeah yeah
0: Cool. Awesome. Um, and then I've got actually just one final kind of question here about, you know, what keeps you engaged and inspired in the technology field? Um, and, and it's kind of a two part question, but like if you, you know, weren't doing what you're doing, uh, you know, what else would it be? Uh, you know, what sort of other thing would you, you know, want, want to be, uh, sort of engaged in, but yeah, is, is there anything that you feel like, you know, really just keeps you connected to, you know, it and technical services?
1: I think for um, the connecting and engagement with IT is because I've already, you know immersed myself for the past 23 years with another company in IT. And over that time, like literally when I started there, there was like this huge hard drive, you know. And seeing how technology changes, with the software the equipment it was very fascinating to me and it was always learning something new um because that's what i like to do i just like to learn new things that are out there um you know and over time there was you know doing email this way or you've got hacked and all these different things you know and um for me it's just very exciting and i love to see everything evolve into what it is today and continue to see technology evolve and that's why i like it so much but if i wasn't in technology i always wanted to do something to where i um was a teacher of some sort. And I think that's where my business sense comes in and, uh, why I like doing things with the urban league women's business center and being able to counsel and coach, you know, their women and minority entrepreneurs is because I want to provide resources and help educate and empower those, um, you know, that don't have those resources already, you know, so that's probably what I would be doing is being a business coach or counselor of some sort.
0: Yeah. That's great. You're, you're yeah. paying it forward. You're passing yeah. it on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. And I mean, I, I do. I feel like you've had yeah, a lot of really insightful advice and especially for people that are looking to get certified that are dreaming of like, you know, what it would be like to get, you know, government contracts and, you know, yeah. feel, feeling like it's out of reach. But, you know, it's not. Obviously, it, it, it takes persistence, diligence, but, you know, patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a whole bunch of patience. <laughs>
1: yes, you gotta be patient. But that's what being an entrepreneur is about, you know? So you can't get stressed out over the little things. Uh you just gotta be patient and uh break through it, right? So
0: yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, yeah. Owning a business, it's always full of ups and downs and yeah,
1: it is, yeah.
0: Yeah, you gotta write it out. Well, um, that I really, I appreciate, you know, all oh, the, thank uh, you so much. yeah, definitely. Thank, thank you. Thanks for all the insight and, you know, great answers to the questions. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank, thank you for being on. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been another episode of mix and matchbox. I'm your host Brent Feldman, and we will be back soon with more content. Thanks.